Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast with Randy Zinn, founder of Beyond Mom. This is a podcast dedicated to inspiration, empowerment, and confidence for women on the journey to selfhood and self-love. Get connected with our expert interviewers, soulful conversations, and deep-dive discussions with visionaries, survivors, creators, and movement makers. For moms and women alike, these conversations will spark you to live the empowered life you deserve. And now, join our host, Randy Zinn, as we go beyond. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Going Beyond podcast. I am super excited you're here with me today. This is Randy Zinn, the founder of Beyond Mom. And for those of you that don't know, I personally curate the conversations that go on to this podcast because I care so much about my listeners and about the kinds of things that they are fueling themselves with, the kinds of things and conversations that they're listening to, and the ways in which I can provide topics that are for growth and for your betterment. And that is so the motivation for today's conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. So a couple of months ago, or maybe two months ago, I had the privilege of being invited to a very special dinner that was hosted by a woman who I hadn't yet known. Her name is Jaquette Timmons. And I knew that she worked in the realm of money and emotions and coaching, but she was bringing together a small group of women for a dinner dinners that she calls her comfort circles. And it was a time for women to get together and to speak openly, honestly, and share on a curated topic. This is something that she does on the repeat with her work. And I went to this dinner and I was just so moved by, of course, the group of women that gathered together because that's my thing. But I was really and truly moved by Jaquette and the space that she held, the knowledge that she has. And I just knew that I had to have her on the podcast then and there. So super excited to have her with me today. I'm going to give you a little bit on her from her bio, and then we're going to dive into the conversation. So Jaquette focuses on the human side of money something that maybe many of us don't really spend a lot of time talking about, but money is human. She works as a financial behaviorist and is committed to getting you to see that you don't manage money, you manage the choices around your money. She's the author of Financial Intimacy, How to Create a Healthy Relationship with Your Money and Your Mate. And as I said, she's the creator of the Comfort Circle Dinner Series, where she hosts discussions about money and business and life over food and wine. Yes. When she's not providing behavioral-based financial coaching, she's traveling the country for speaking engagements, and she's just been all over. When I met her, she lost her voice because she was speaking so much. She's just been on tons of different media outlets. She is really, really sharing this part of life with people and making an impact. She lives in Brooklyn, just down the street from me. And she can be seen running, apparently, in Prospect Park most days of the week, which is awesome. So, Jaquette, hey, girl, I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) I am so delighted to be here, and thank you for such a really awesome intro. (laughs) Well, 
it really came from my heart because, you know, I'm a people person and I connect quickly and deeply. And it's like, if there's someone that I want to talk to more, you're coming in. Awesome. And the podcast is like one of my favorite ways to do that. And, you know, again, for all of you listening to this conversation today, I'm so glad that you're here. Like you are the ones that make these conversations worthwhile. So, all right, Jaquette, let's get into this. Let's talk about, why don't we just start with the basics of what you're all about, money and emotions. Give us like a brief about why this is a true connection. So for me, it's a true connection because if money were just about the numbers, given that two plus two equals four, none of us would ever have any challenges meeting our financial goals. None of us would ever have any challenges talking about money, either with our mates, our significant others, with family members. We wouldn't have a challenging time asking for a raise or asking for the business. But the reason that those things are difficult to do is because the emotional aspect comes into play. So for me, I want to get people to begin focusing less on the numbers, but you do have to address them. So we're not excluding them, but to focus less on the numbers and to get people to understand what is your relationship with money? What drives that relationship? What aspect of it is working for you? What aspect of it do you need to change if you want to have different results in your life? Yeah, you know, it's so funny. Right before we jumped on, I was watching my friend Patricia Moreno on Facebook Live. She's the founder of Intense Sati and Sati365. Everyone here who follows me knows I'm obsessed with her. And she was talking about the power of the mindset. And she said something, a quote that someone she knows says that if you win a million dollars in the lottery, you better put your mind in the space of wealth. Because that million dollars can be in your hands or it can fly out the door. And that has everything to do with having the mindset around that money. So yeah, the whole story has to do with how you see it. Right. Having the mindset and also having a game plan. Like I've done workshops for professional athletes as a part of their transition from the rookie to the professional player. And the thing that I always say to them sometimes much to their chagrin, is that you are rich, but you're not wealthy. And I recognize that for them, I'm saying this at a moment in time when, you know, they've just signed these multi-million dollar contracts, the most amount of money they are, you know, most of the people in their inner circle has probably ever, ever seen. And I'm telling them you're rich and you're not wealthy. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> But to the whole point about the millionaire mindset thing is there is a difference between having a lot of income and having a lot of wealth. And you can be rich and have a million dollar income, but if you're spending $999,000 of it and, you're, and none of that is going towards building up assets, things that are going to appreciate and add to your life, then you're not building up the wealth part of the equation. That's number one. What is a wealth mindset? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like for somebody? Well, first of all, I think a wealth mindset begins even before you start doing investments. So most of us are conditioned, and I have an exercise, and we can offer this to the listeners because it's free. They can just download it from the website. I have an exercise that I've been using with my clients for at least 18 years, if not a little bit longer, and it's called the financial wheel. 
And the idea is to get people to recognize how do they approach money. And most of us have been conditioned to approach money where we take what we earn and from that we make decisions about saving, investing, and spending. And by the way, we do all of that after we've paid our bills. I call that by default. For me, a wealthy mindset is when we are striving to live more and more by design. And by design means you first start off with determining how much do you want to save for different time periods? How do you want to invest your money? And looking at that more holistically and not just the stock market, real estate investments and property, but just also the people in your life and the causes that are important to you. How do you want to spend your money, i.e., what's your lifestyle? And then you ask the question, well, what do I need to earn to make that happen? And if you have a business, the question becomes a two-part. What's the revenue that my business needs to earn to make that? And of that, how much do I want to pay myself? It's a subtle shift, but it is so significant and profound because the questions, the behavior, and the choices that you will make when you are operating living by default are very, very, very different than when you are intentionally choosing to live more by design. And so for me, the wealthy mindset begins with making that choice first to move away ever so slightly from living by default to living more by design, where you're giving direction to your money and you're telling it, what is it that you want it to do? How is it that you want it to show up in your life, i.e. what's its job description? Yeah, I love that. So a lot of my listeners are in fact entrepreneurs or somehow kind of like doing their own freelance type of thing. Like what do you feel is the optimal you know, mindset for women kind of steering their own ship and embracing the entrepreneur by design lifestyle? Well, for me, the other thing here, especially when it comes to entrepreneurs, and, and I say this just from, you know, having a few hard knocks of my own, is recognizing that your business is supposed to be in service to you. And given that that's the case, it should support your personal finances as well. And so often we start a business, we're growing it, and we are literally reinvesting everything. And I recognize that, you know, for a period of time, that's a requirement. The problem, though, is when you don't recognize when that period of time has expired and that becomes an ongoing pattern. And so I think for the entrepreneurs in the group, the important thing is to make sure that your business's financial success also translates into your personal financial success, too. And that just means being a lot more intentional about your business model, your sales process, your pricing, and making sure that it's set up not just to make a profit and to make sure that your business is growing sustainably, but that it's also making sure that your personal financial picture is growing as well. Yeah, I agree with you. And I will openly admit, I think I am a little bit in this field too. It's been a very slow journey to get to the place of really driving revenue through my own business. And it is sort of the curse of building something from go and like getting to that place where it turns. Part of that is a business model. Part of it, again, is a mindset. And like, where do you go in and how much do you give away? And some of it is pricing. Like I'm about to do a retreat in the year called In the Zone, How to Price Your Genius. And it's looking at 
approaching pricing from the standpoint of your relationship with money, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your business, as well as your relationship with your people, your prospects, your customers, and your clients. And I think a part of that has to do with most of us are probably following a more traditional approach to pricing, which influences the revenue of our business and our growth. And again, I'm looking to offer a different approach. So I think that has a lot to do with it too. So when you look at like, let's say the pro athlete, like you said, who you coach to embrace what it means to suddenly make all of this money. And then let's say you talk to like a female entrepreneur who has more emotional challenge embracing what it means to bring money into their life. Men, women, like do you see variance I don't see a gender variant, and I, and I work across the board. And I think that's another reason why I like to emphasize, you know, it's the human side of money, because in that regard, it, it really just does boil down to the human side. So I don't see much variance there. I will say that where I see the greatest variance is what's the emotional picture or framework that they're bringing to the table. So are you an entrepreneur, but you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Are you an athlete and you're the first one in your family to go to college or the first one in your family to quote unquote, make it big. Both of those carry with it responsibilities in terms of quote unquote legacy, but they're coming from different places. So I would say it's less about gender and more about what is the underlying story that's really serving as your springboard for why you are where you are in that moment. Yeah. My friend Terry Cole always talks about our emotional blueprints and just like the foundation of a house, you know, you have the blueprints that create that, you know, how the house is built. Same thing with our viewpoints of something like money. What were we raised with? You know, what did we witness? What did we see? What feels, it doesn't seem like weird to me that I grew up with an entrepreneurial father, my grandfather is an entrepreneur, and then I ended up marrying someone who's an entrepreneur. There is a comfort and an understanding I have in that world. Right. Absolutely. So continue talking to me about our ability to step into our greatness with money, because I feel like this is just such a deep thing. I just would love to hear more from you. So I think in order to step into that deepness, we've got to be curious about what does indeed shape our relationship with money and to make the relationship piece a little less abstract, like really delve into, you know, where do the values that you have about money, where do they come from? What about your beliefs? What about your expectations? What about your behavior? What about the choices? Like what's the source of all of that? And one of the reasons why I say to take on the mindset of being curious is because the purpose of this reflection is not to be judgmental, but it is to really examine why do you do the things that you do to ask, is this working for me? And then if it is fabulous, how do you continue doing it more? And then if it's not, then what do you replace it with, right? Because nature abhors a vacuum, right, as we have all have heard. So even if you got rid of a particular habit or behavior, it's got to be replaced with something. And so what is that something? And I don't think we spend two things. I think, A, we mistake paying bills and staying on top of paying our bills with 
being actively engaged with our money. That's not being actively engaged with money. That's one thing. The other thing is we mistake having a lot of access to our financial data vis-a-vis our mobile phones, vis-a-vis being able to download and see, you know, what was the most recent transaction in your banking statement or what's your available credit limit on your credit card or what's your credit score? What's the amount on your investments account? You can do all of that right now in the palm of your hand on your phone. And sometimes people can think that having that access automatically deems insight. And that's not the case. And so I think a part of it is being really curious about, again, why do we do the things that we do and asking ourselves the question of if I were looking at this as though it were somebody else's information, what kind of assumptions would I make about their life? What kind of assumptions would I make about what they need next month, six months from now, a year from now? Because in a way, that's what the financial institutions are doing about us. That's what the places where we shop, that's what they're doing about us. They're taking that data and they're converting it into a profile. And I just feel like while we may not have data scientists sitting in our house <laughs> or algorithms that we're you know, creating to give us the same level of insight, I do just think that we should be just as, inquisi- as inquisitive and curious to want to know that. And just by the way, if I can just add, Duke University did a study, and from the study, what they concluded is that 40% of how you and I and everybody listening, how we live our lives, whether it's what we do or what we think, it is completely with no thought. It is completely subconscious. And if so much of our day is lived that way, and I get it from an evolutionary standpoint, your mind, your brain can be focused on other things, but if 40% of your day is basically without thought, much thought, then how much of that same sort of cavalierness, if you will, ripples down to the decisions that you make about money, whether it's saving it, investing it, spending it, earning it, whether it's what you charge your clients, whether it's how you charge. I mean, all of those things, do we ever take the time to ask, What's the inspiration for it? Not even just the motivation, but what's the inspiration? What am I pulling on as my reference point for why I'm doing what I'm doing? Hmm. Food for thought. So you made a comment to me when we were chatting offline about that the bigger issue is our fear of success and how we would even manage that, right? Like you said, we spend so much time thinking about how to get there and not so much time thinking about what the heck we would actually do with it. I would agree with that statement because I think a lot of women that I talk to, and myself included, it's like you invest so much on the getting there. And what would it even look like to achieve that moment that you're working toward? Like you think you know, but do you really know? And are you really ready for that? It's like a real personal inquiry. And I think that one of the disservices that we do in the personal finance space is not create the opportunities for folks to explore that. So a couple of things. Number one, we've been talking about the fact that we have a relationship with money. One of the things that I don't think people really kind of appreciate (laughs) is the idea that Your relationship with money is one of the longest relationships that you are going to have. You can be married for 80 years and your relationship with money will still be longer than that. The only thing that competes with it in terms of length of time is your relationship with your parents or whomever raised you from birth. So there's that. 
Two, because it is such a long relationship, it evolves, it changes, or it should at least evolve and change over time. And so I also don't think that sometimes we give ourselves permission to let our relationship with money change and evolve. We want it to be static. We are expecting that the same ways that we are interacting with money today should be the same that we should interact with it five years from now. And my whole thing is if that's the case, then you didn't take the time to learn from the lessons and the challenges that you had between now and then. And so to more directly answer your question, as you are achieving different levels of financial success and hitting different of your financial goals, more than likely it's going to require that you then need to figure out how to navigate and negotiate this different terrain because with that different terrain becomes or comes with it new financial responsibilities, perhaps new emotional responsibilities in terms of your own identity and how perhaps other people relate to you and what they are expecting to you. And depending upon where you are in terms of your spiritual beliefs, it might also ask of you new spiritual responsibilities. And I don't think when people are setting goals, they think about, well, who's the new person that this is going to require me to be? Yeah. So where does somebody even begin that process? Like if somebody says, you know, I'm dissatisfied with how I've been operating with my money and how maybe I was taught to do this. Where does that work begin? Well, I think it starts right there with acknowledging it, right? With recognizing that there is some sort of a disconnect. So I would say that that's the first step. The second step would then just be to pay attention to what either doesn't feel right as well as what feels good. And then to figure out, well, what are the things that I need to explore? What are the questions that I need to ask? And I know that this answer may not sound very concrete, but I think we've just outlined right there three steps. Acknowledge it, get curious about it. And then as you're getting curious and you're asking questions, that's going to open up What's my game plan? What is this going to then inform or what is this informing in terms of the actions that I need to take and the choices that I need to make moving forward? It's kind of a big, bold move. I mean, as I've also shared with you, I feel like if you were to ask me what's a category that I felt probably in my life most unsafe to dive into, you know, through my own personal circumstances, it would be conversations around money. It really does, for me, bring about a lot of anxiety and a lot of kind of wanting to hide certain parts of myself. And it's sad, actually, because like you said, this is a pretty long relationship. It is a pretty long relationship, and it is pretty sad that we don't feel the sense of freedom to talk about it freely. And I think a part of that comes from the fact that so much is tied up into it, like so much of our own identity, so much of how other people perceive us is tied up into it, as well as our own perhaps sense of guilt or shame, and then other people's projection of guilt and shame. And so it is one of the most vulnerable topics that we can dive into. But I also think that it is one of the most important topics that we must dive into. Yeah. I imagine just in the work you do, you must hear so many stories and see lots of tears and like just all of it. I really, really do. And that's the aspect of it that I love. That totally, totally love that. So, you know, I get to see in a way I'm like, someone's doctor 
or their CPA and that your doctor, your CPA, and then if you, you know, you're working with someone like me, we get to see things that nobody else gets to see. And it's not even just the numbers that we get to see. We get to have conversations that very few people have outside of a really, really small circle. In fact, I think I may even have shared at the dinner, the idea for the dinner came because I was having a conversation with the client who said that they did not know what they would do if I weren't there to help them navigate a particular issue. Because while they could talk to their friends about sex very easily, they could not talk to them about money. And so the fact that, in my opinion, money is just as intimate as sex, that you would feel more comfortable talking to somebody about that but not this, I'm like, huh? But I think it has a lot to do with People not feeling like they are going to be able to open up and not be judged. And so that's one of the reasons why I like the dinners and the experiences that people have. And also, you know, in my work and any, whether it's one-on-one work or workshops, I endeavor to create that space for people to feel safe. Yeah. I mean, I totally echo that. I much more easily talk about sex than money. I mean, that might sound crazy, but it's totally true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think like there's a lot more everything from humor to compassion around the subjects of sex and intimacy than there is around money. So the last kind of bigger question I have is, you know, again, I tend to talk to moms and I also tend to talk to moms who are stepping into a new sense of identity, often resulting in the choice in a new professional path. Like I said, many women leave, you know, corporate jobs and start their own businesses or their own business evolves into a new business. Women have a change of perspective and how they want to live their lives and kind of steer their own ship. And with that can come a lot of financial change. So from your angle, how do you, from the work you've done, see that change of women or people becoming parents and then having like a shift in mindset of how they want to operate, especially around things like money and providing? Yeah. So the word that just really like was a flashing bulb as you were asking your question is (laughs) trade-offs. You got to know what trade-offs you're going to feel most comfortable with because you just can't make any decision without it requiring that. And so that is the thing that I think people need to be a little bit more honest with themselves about is what trade-offs are they, are they going to be comfortable with making? Like trade-offs in what realms? So let's make up a case. So you have someone, because I think it's a little easier to, to make it a little bit more concrete. So let's say you had someone that was working in corporate America They were already making six figures before they had their child. Now they've had their child. They've had a taste of being at home with maternity leave. And now they're like, hmm, maybe what I'll do is do what I was doing in this corporate setting and I'll do it on my own. Okay, no problem. That's how most people typically start their businesses. So the trade-off would be, Well, you have this a little bit more flexibility in terms of your time, but how much time is it going to take you to actually get back to the same revenue or the same earnings? So there's the trade-off with that, right? Their time is the trade-off there. 
what comes with that time, though, is just because you are at home doesn't mean that you are necessarily going to have more time <laughs> than if you went back to work. <laughs> That's a trade-off there. Yeah, most women realize like working from home is a total illusion because like exactly. you're just constantly interrupted no matter what. <laughs> Exactly. Um, or you're working just, you know, I think one of the myths that people have about working from home is that you won't work. And I'm like, that's not the issue. The issue is because you're working from home, you don't know how to darn stop. That's the <laughs> you other don't know, truth. You know, you don't know how to say, okay, my work day is done. So, I mean, I could give you more examples, but I think that those are two, three really good things that you normally or typically think about, but those are some of the trade-offs that you have to confront it with and you've got to figure out how do you want to handle it. Right. And I think that it brings up another good point to come back to what you're saying before is that there's the human side of money. It's like we were talking about changing the way you earn money. That has everything to do with the choices you want for your own human experience, what you're doing, who you're around, where you're working from, and it's all kind of configured together. And you have to figure out what you're willing to trade off for what. The biggest complaint that I hear is, I have flexibility now, but I'm working constantly. Yeah. That's so true. And yeah. it's also tough because you know, when you have little people watching you and you're on your phone working when like really it would probably be best for one, the family and two, even for your own productivity to just put it down and like do it later when everyone's asleep or whatever. But it is like you kind of swap your issues. <laughs> exactly. And I think just being cognizant of the fact that you're doing it is a step in the right direction, even if you're not in a position to make the trade-off that you would most want to make, at least knowing that being more conscious about it and not just falling into the trap of the Duke study <laughs> of 40% of your day unconscious. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. I watched on a flight to or back from California recently that movie that came out, Three Identical Strangers. Have you seen it? No, I've never even heard of it. Okay, for all of you, for you, Jacquette, for everyone, see this movie. Long story short, it's the story of triplets who were separated at birth. And one went to a community college in upstate New York. And then the next year, the other one showed up and everyone was greeting him and calling him the wrong name because he was literally identical. And it became this whole press story. Um, these two twins are reunited. It was in the news. And then twin triplet three sees the press. And it's this wild story. But that's not even the wild part. That is just sort of the basic story, what happens and what the uncoverings are about why they were separated at birth and how the whole thing shaped is what's really, really crazy. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because there's a very big underlying theme question through the movie, which has to do basically with nature or nurture. Like, are we born who we are? Are we born thinking the way we think, operating the way we do because of who we're born as and our genetics, really? Or does it have to do with how we're raised and what we're raised with and what we're taught? Do you have a guess? 
I'm going to say it's a combination because the reason why it has to be a combination is because you can have, or at least from my perspective, you can have multiple siblings grow up in the same household and be very, very different and approach, you know, in my space of money and approach money very differently. But they saw the same things. (laughs) with regards to what they saw their parents doing or not doing. So I think it's both environment and nurture, but I think also there's a great deal of it that's also nature. What do you think? Well, I tend to agree with you that it's both because, yes, you're right. People can grow up in the same household and view the same topic totally differently. This movie, though, definitely had a very interesting take or it seemed to reveal that it was more nurture than nature, that nature developed certain things of commonality. Like when these twins met each other, of course they wanted to see their commonalities. So it was like, oh my God, we all wrestle. We all date the same kind of women. We smoke the same cigarettes. Like these weird things that made them seem so the same. But what was fascinating was that they were all raised by very different families. And what you start to see is that actually each of these individuals really operated in the world in very different ways. And that it came down to the love and the nurturing and the discussions and the way that they were raised to be in the world by their adoptive parents. So anyway, you have to see it because it's wild. Just trust me. But anyway, this is so much food for thought. And I really hope that for the people listening to this discussion, if nothing else, like you say, raises the questions, you know, how do I operate? Am I happy with how I'm operating? Is there room for growth? Do I want to learn more about this part of myself? Do I want to feel like a victim to it or like I can make thoughtful decisions and not be sort of sleeping, you know, through my days? So I really appreciate how much you bring that to light for people. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you. And I would just say that when people are not getting the results that they want, whether it's if you want to break it down by bucket, saving, investing, spending, earning, you want to look at your business revenue, whenever you're not getting the results that you want, take a step away from the numbers and spend some time thinking about your behavior and your choices and your expectations. Spend more time evaluating that and use that as your way of adjusting what do you do in order to get the results that you want. Amen. (laughs) So tell everyone how they can find you, Jacquette, and engage with your work and be part of your realm. So my website is jacquettetimmons.com. And if you want to download the financial wheel exercise that I made reference to, it's jacquettetimmons.com forward slash wheel. And again, it's free and it comes with an e-course. And again, it's designed to just help you take a look at your relationship with money and really evaluate why do you do the things that you do and what are some of the changes that you might want to make to bring about the results that you want. So Again, helping you to tap into your behavior and your choices. I'm all over social media, really active on Twitter and Instagram. So just put my full name into the search bar and you'll pull me up. And then if anybody wants to come to a dinner, if you're in New York or you want to come to New York, because <laughs> I've had some 
someone travel from Dallas for a dinner. So that was really awesome. Or you want to learn about the retreat, you know, just let me know. Reach out to me either via Randy or DM me. Totally. I'm happy to make connections always. Yeah. Jacquette, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was truly a pleasure. It was my delight. Thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation. And for all of you listening, I know you got a lot out of this. Take the time to process what we talked about. I'm a big fan of right when you listen to something, drop your thoughts into your journal or into the notes on your phone so you don't forget. And you can really work with these new thoughts and ideas and tools as you move forward with your day. Have a wonderful day and we look forward to connecting with you again soon. Bye. 